0: Welcome to the show. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and don't forget to check out today's show's sponsors, which you can find in the description of this podcast or right now by going to the link on the screen. Now, as we move into 2024, Indy Thinker is going to function a little bit different. So on the show, I, in the past, have talked about culture, causes, politics, and faith, and I'm going to continue to do that, but the way in which I've done that in the past is changing. Essentially, Indy Thinker is going to change into a, a place where I respond to debates and things that are going on in the mainstream and different ideas that are out there on the internet, I know you can't listen to everything and I know a little bit of it becomes exhausting to you. So what I'm gonna try to do is curate things that are going on again from the news and the mainstream that are going on in different podcasts and I'm gonna try to bring them all under one umbrella and then I'm gonna try to provide some responses that I think are important for you to know if you're going to be a critical thinker. So moving forward, I'm essentially going to make this platform a response platform to things that are going on on the internet and today is no exception because I wanna talk to you about the biggest story in the nation, which is that Trump was taken off the ballot in Colorado and now just recently was taken off the ballot in Maine. You can't write his name even in the empty space because they won't accept uh, that vote because Trump is an insurrectionist and according to them, according to the constitution and the 14th amendment, uh, an insurrectionist cannot run for office. So Trump is that without due process. And so now he's off the ballot. So there is a debate that took place on PBS, and I know what you're thinking already. The public broadcasting station is not public and it is definitely not impartial, but your tax dollars do pay for this liberal kind of hack job. And you're gonna hear two liberals discussing whether or not Trump should have been taken off the ballot most recently in Maine and then again in Colorado. So here's that. We turn to Brooks
1: and Capehart. That's New York Times columnist David Brooks and Jonathan Capehart, Associate Editor for the Washington Post. Good to see you both. Good to see you. So, as we've just reported, Maine has joined Colorado as the second state to ban Donald Trump from its presidential primary ballot under a constitutional provision that prevents insurrectionists from holding office. David, what's your assessment of this decision by Maine's Secretary of State?
2: Yeah, I thought Colorado was pretty terrible, and I think this is a even worse threat to democracy. Some random Democratic politician throwing the Republican frontrunner off the ballot. Uh, for a crime, as you said in one of your questions, which he's not even been convicted of, he hasn't even been charged with. Uh, The process should always be voters decide, voters decide. It should be that, doubly, when we have an an entire Democratic system is under a crisis of authority and people don't trust it, they think the game is rigged, if suddenly you have random people throwing people off the ballot, they're going to think, oh, the game really is rigged. And then, if you have one Democrat throwing a candidate off the ballot in Maine, do you really think some Republicans are going to start throwing people off the ballot somewhere else? Uh, It's just—I just thought it was a terrible decision, uh, and one that confirms every story that Donald Trump tells, which is those liberal elites are out to get
1: you. And suddenly, I don't know if she's a liberal elite, but somebody's out to somebody's out to silence your voice. Jonathan, what about that—that argument that this is election interference
3: of a different sort? (laughs) My gosh, David, Um, um, I, I don't buy it. Um, the idea that this is, you know, a cabal of liberal elites attacking democracy, going after Donald Trump is ridiculous, one, because these these challenges are being brought by Republicans. The, there are Republicans who are trying to keep Donald Trump off the Republican primary ballot. That is definitely the case in Colorado. And the same people who brought that case are involved in all the other cases.
0: Now, you may remember David Brooks. David Brooks is a guy I've talked about before on the show. He's somebody who liked to destroy and diminish the nuclear family through some writing he did in The Atlantic a while back and is a purebred liberal. And every once in a while, he'll poke his head out of the sand to actually come up with a good take. He kind of has one here, but not really. And Jonathan Capehart is your typical run-of-the-mill talking head on the media who doesn't actually address any of the issues or actually dig into whether or not Trump should have been taken off the ballot. But Trump, orange man, bad, is basically what you get. Now, needless to say, the conversation here thus far has been um, there's going to be this idea that this is a Democrat hack job. This is David Brooks saying this and then Jonathan Capehart rejecting that and say, well, there are Republicans who even voted for Trump to be removed from the ballot in Colorado, which means absolutely nothing because last I checked, George Santos was a Republican. (laughs) If you believe that, I've got some great real estate that I can sell you. Needless to say, um, just to push back against this narrative just a little bit, I want to I remind you of two things. The Secretary of State in Colorado and in Maine are both Democrats, Jenna Griswold in Colorado and Shinna Bellows in Maine are both Democrats and they both voted to remove him from office. And I might remind you that if this is just this unanimous thing and it's it's bipartisan that everybody thinks that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist and should be removed from the ballot, um, then why isn't he being removed and is it why isn't it even being discussed in red states i think we know better but let's give these guys a fair hearing and let's hear a little bit more of what they have to say about the justification for trump being removed from the ballot the other thing
3: is if these aren't random the, the main secretary of state is not some random uh, official. This is someone who didn't just make up this, this decision out of whole cloth. She had a hearing a week ago, an eight-hour-long hearing, where she you know, had all sorts of briefs, all sorts of testimony, and you know, she came to her decision. The key thing here is that this case is going to go before the Supreme Court, because the one thing the Supreme Court does not like is um, dissonance within within the country. You've got Colorado and Maine saying he's got to be off the ballot. You have Michigan. And I believe today California said Trump is on the ballot. You can't have a hodgepodge of decisions around the country involving something this major. So the Supreme Court is going to have to decide this case. And as the Minnesota secretary of state said to me last weekend, you know, he sees the Supreme Court deciding unanimously either um, all states have to have them on the ballot, or all states have to have them off the ballot. But there's not going to be this split the baby decision.
1: How do you think the court might weigh this?
2: Yeah, we have an island of agreement among us. <laughs> <See, a> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I would be shocked if it's not. I don't know if it'll be nine, nothing, but I would be shocked if the Supreme Court took Donald Trump's name off the ballot anywhere. Uh, The last thing the court, which already has its own credibility problems, wants to do is be seen to tell 75 million Americans, the guy you wanna vote for, you can't
0: vote for that guy. So the argument as such goes like this, that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist because on January 6th, he led an insurrection. Now, I want to remind you before I actually read the 14th Amendment to you and section three of that amendment, that Donald Trump was not at the Capitol on January 6th. Well, some may say that doesn't matter because he still led an insurrection with his very fiery rhetoric, which is a slippery slope to say the least. But let's just reanalyze his rhetoric, shall we?
2: I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard
0: Now, if there is a hallmark of fascism, I have to be honest here. It's calling people to patriotically and peacefully protest. I mean, could you get any more fascist than that? You might as well just say concentration camps. Of course, we understand that what Donald Trump did that day has been continually misquoted and taken out of context by the media. And what Donald Trump did was nothing close to an insurrection. But again, they want to use, and by they, I mean the left and the mainstream media and Democrats want to use the 14th Amendment, which says this. Section three says, no person shall hold any office, civil or military under the United States who having previously taken an oath as an officer of the United States to support the constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So quick question, did Donald Trump engage in an insurrection? Where is due process? Has he been charged with that in any of the criminal cases that he's being charged with? Let me help you. The answer is no. Did he engage in an insurrection by intent? Well, if he did, then everybody who in 2020 said that America is systemically racist were essentially creating treason. Of course, you actually have to stage an insurrection to be qualified as an insurrectionist. Did he give aid to those who engaged in the insurrection? No, of course he didn't. If anything, these people have suffered over and over again for crimes that they committed and crimes that maybe they didn't commit. I mean, let's get a little factual here since this is really where we need to go. Let's look at this clip and you tell me what you make of it. And so here on the screen now, you can see a January 6th rioter an insurrectionist being marched down the hall by Capitol Police and then summarily uncuffed while he fist bumps an officer and then let go. This is at least a little bit suspicious, wouldn't you say? What kind of insurrection has this kind of video? Now you may say I'm selectively editing here, and maybe I am, but all I'm asking you is to provide a perfectly logical explanation for why you would do this to an insurrectionist if there isn't more going on. And even if you disagree with me on that, which I'm sure some of you will, and I'll hear about it down in the comment section below, where um, all brilliant ideas start in the mind of a man until he actually goes down to write them and then exposes them for how ridiculous they are Um, but even if i am wrong about that shouldn't donald trump be given due process to see if he is an insurrectionist shouldn't he be charged with insurrection if he is an insurrectionist and shouldn't he go to court and defend himself if he is an insurrectionist i think the obvious answer to that is yes but these debates that happen on pbs and other places rarely answer the questions that we're really asking which is did Donald Trump violate the Constitution in any conceivable way? Is there any way in which the Constitution gives us an understanding of what insurrection looks like and did Donald Trump participate in that? So that we don't have a partisan back and forth debate as to whether or not Donald Trump is guilty of this kind of thing because it's bad for the country, it's bad for you, it's bad for me, it's bad for elections. But none of that really seems to matter to these guys because even when David Brooks and Jonathan Capehart want to have a conversation with each other, they don't actually justify this audacious claim. Here's them and one final
3: clip. This hodgepodge of decisions is because elections are run by the states and they have their own laws. And in Maine, the Secretary of State Makes a
0: determination,
3: and then it goes to the courts. So this is not the this is not the end in Maine. This is the beginning in Maine.
0: Before we go any further, I do want to say something about this because I love how conveniently we have forgotten that Roe v. Wade was the diminishing of the federal government's role uh, to give power to the states, and the left hated that. The left did not like the right wing. Uh, extremist conspiracy to give the states the right to have their constituents vote on what they want to do with abortion. No, they wanted the federal government to overrule that, and they wanted a federal law in the books for abortions across each and every state in our nation. Isn't it interesting that now the exact opposite is being argued by these hypocritical people, that now, well, it's just states' rights. You know, these secretaries of state have the right to take Law into their own hands, and they can, without due process, dictate who is an insurrectionist, and then remove these people willy-nilly from the ballot. No, this is a threat to democracy, and I hate to almost use the term because it's been so overused by by Joe Biden. But if there is a threat to democracy presently, it's not white supremacy, it's not Christian nationalism, it's people who want to destroy our federal election process and take away the right for people, the, the, the basic right of people in this nation to dictate how their government is formed. So uh, let's listen to what they have to say moving forward. Well, as this decision came down yesterday from
1: Maine, Nikki Haley was in New Hampshire, Donald Trump's uh, ascendant rival there, uh, trying to clean up a response she gave when she was asked by a, a person at a town hall you see there in New Hampshire about what was the cause of this civil war. And she did not name slavery in her response. And after much backlash, she later said, "Of course, it had to do with slavery." David, what did you make of her initial comment and then her attempt to clean it up and clarify it? I mean, I think yeah, Republican the
2: uh, presidential candidates should not be disagreeing with Lincoln's second inaugural. Uh, Lincoln knew this was a war about slavery. For thirty years, we had. The war, the, America was split over slavery, then the war happened, it was about slavery, slavery ended with the war. Uh, I like Rhonda Sanders' line that the, ending slavery was one of the Republican Party's greatest accomplishments ever. Uh, and so I think what was disturbing about her comment was that it, it had the aroma of somebody playing political games from South Carolina, that you're come from a state where a lot of people don't want to say it was about slavery. They want to say it was about random civil rights or whatever. Uh, and then she had that voice in her head, and she thought the politically calculated thing to do was to give the answer she gave, rather than the honest truth. And that is a bad moment for her. Yeah.
1: What about that, that her remarks suggest her reading of the audience, that they would object to her, saying flatly and plainly that, yes, it had to do with slavery?
3: yeah I, I I agree with that, and I agree with David. The only thing I would say is that it's not an aroma, it's a stench. <laughs> I mean she is the former governor of South Carolina, the first state to secede from the Union, which was um, it led to the Civil War over slavery, a state that had a proclamation in eighteen sixty that said flat out, we don't the non enslaving states are trying to make us give up slavery. So for her to do what she did, especially. After what she did, after the 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 massacre in Charleston uh, at Mother Emanuel, probably her you know biggest moment on the national stage, and certainly as governor of South Carolina, stepping up and being a leader and taking down the Confederate flag, for her to backtrack like this, I shouldn't be surprised because you know she's backtracked on a lot of uh, on a lot of statements of principle, especially when she got in league with Donald Trump
0: or. And I know this is a big or, so just give me a moment, hear me out, give me a chance to explain, or you don't know what you're talking about, Jonathan. I know it's easy to jump on the race card, but it's important to understand that the Civil War was about many things, and it wasn't just about slavery. It was about states' rights, it was about culture, and it was about a big federal government and whether or not they can usurp their authority over the states. Again, I go back to the idea that it's interesting that the left always wants a strong federal government until it benefits them in situations like this. But I might mention that the Civil War was about something really, really big too that is not mentioned by Jonathan and wasn't mentioned by Haley. See, in 1860, prior to the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln's name was removed off the ballot in Southern states so that you could not vote for him. And then a couple months later, Later in 1861, the Civil War was fought, because when you mess with elections, that actually is a huge threat to the country, and it is the precursor to Civil War. This is why I think this is vitally important. If the Supreme Court doesn't overturn what took place in Maine and Colorado, it really is a threat to the makeup of our nation. So the Supreme Court will decide, and I would be surprised if they didn't do it unanimously, that what took place in Colorado and in Maine was actually unconstitutional and they had no right to do it. And we'll conveniently forget that there were secretaries of state who decided to take federal elections into their own hands, which is something that Donald Trump accused people of doing in 2020. It's kind of odd, right? So that's a problem because we need to understand that if the Supreme Court does decide, not only does that kind of fix this issue, but it might be a patchwork over this issue, just temporary, and I, and I mean this, that essentially, whenever we have political actors acting this way, they should be impeached and removed from office. It is not enough for the Supreme Court to come to our aid once again and do what they did in Roe v. Wade and take spurious um, constitutional law and remove it so that we can actually get back to common sense law based upon what the Constitution actually says. Regardless, I think I'm saying simply this, that even when the Supreme Courts overturn what took place in Maine and Colorado, this is still a problem that needs to be addressed. And until it is, we're, we're gonna continue to see this back and forth by Republicans and by Democrats every single time an election season rolls around. And this is where I gotta point out you libertarians out there who sometimes encroach upon the conservative movement. The, the reason very often you get it wrong is because you want unlimited freedom no matter what, as though freedom in and of itself is a natural good. No, freedom, when curbed with morality, is good because there needs to be a limiting principle to freedom so that it doesn't turn into anarchy because you don't have the freedom to have sex with animals, to rape children, or to do whatever you want. The federal government has a place. And what is their place? Well, if it is anything, it's ensuring that we have safe and secure elections. And right now, in our country, we're deciding whether or not we truly want that. And perhaps we're deciding in a very important way for you on a personal level, and that is, can you see behind your and beyond your hatred for Donald Trump to, sh- to say, and that is, can you see beyond your hatred for Donald Trump to say the obvious and moral thing, that regardless of what I feel about the man, I may not have to vote for him, but taking him off the, off the ballot is wrong. If you can do that, then you have taken the once in a lifetime opportunity to show that you are a good person, to show that you had the opportunity to do that which is wrong, and you did that which is right. It's the only way we really know if we're good. We can say we're good, we can pretend to be good, but then when we're really tempted with something that is evil and we don't do it, that's how we know we are truly good. And I hope that you can put aside whatever hatred that you have toward Donald Trump, whatever bias you have toward Republicans, and you can say, this is not good for the nation, it's not good for anyone, and it needs to stop. And if you do, you may not only have an apprehension of the good, but you may slowly but surely find yourself creeping ever more closer to the Christian conservative side where truth actually matters. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe and go with God.